we're both here. Yeah, we are. We're not even going to finish the intro thing. That was rather abrupt. You know, apparently we got a thumbs down already. You're kidding. I don't know. On YouTube? Don't know. Don't care. Yeah, but I feel like that's that's pro- that's someone who probably knows us just being a dick. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Whatever. I don't care. The internet gives the plat- a platform for too many assholes. Yeah. Maybe people just don't like us. Maybe I don't we'll, know. Maybe we'll be like Howard Stern, where the majority of the people that listen hate him, but they still give him ratings because they have to hear what he has to say. I uh, if I'm that, I guess, important in someone's opinion, then I feel bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If the things I say on the internet are something someone has to tune into because they can't stand what I have to say, then whatever. Yeah. So whatever. Right. So, so are is. we gonna are we gonna keep starting like two and three minutes early? Because I made sure I was at least four or five minutes early because I knew you were gonna start early. Is this gonna be like the new MO? Well, I mean, if if you're here and we're and we're going, then I figured like if I see you pop in down there while the intro is rolling, I was like, let's just let's just get it over with. Let's just do it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Welcome to the show, everybody. Yes, episode seventy three. Uh, brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons, who you can see right up here in the corner. I did some little rearranging here of our layout, so you it's did. a little less cluttered. It looks um, good. But I need to add to it real quick. There we go. There it is. Um, yeah, so Puget Sound Pythons, check them out. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. They're right here in the chat. They hang out with us every week. Um, they help supply us with the cigars that we bring to the show each week. So, uh, Speaking of which, Herrera Esteli Maduro. Miami. Always forget how good these are. Yep. Every time I smoke one, I'm like, man, I need to smoke more of these. And then I end up not smoking more of them. And then I smoke one more randomly. And I'm like, man, these things are good. And I just dropped my cutter in the trash can with a bunch of ashes. So... That's nice. Now I get to. I don't. You think if I if I wash that off, you think that'll rust? What? The blade? Yeah. Just oil it. No, I. Well, I mean, not, what do you mean? Well, when you get metal like that, that's in the raw, and you you put water to it or or moisture to it, you know, you dry it, and then you put an oil to prevent it from rusting. I just, I want to, and now I have to wash it off because it's all covered in ash. I mean, I would just get like one of those little cans of air, like those keyboard air duster cans. Yeah. I would just blow it out, you know? I don't know. I dropped it in the trash can and felt like an idiot. I mean, I would be more concerned with like, you know, food <laughs> particulates on there, you know? That's gross. So Johnny said, I'm currently sitting in the, I guess, on the first uh, first base side of the Padres game with a beer cracked and sticks and stogies in my ear. That's Sense awesome. Paradise. That's super cool, man. And it's live. Both of them. He's live. watching the game and listening. It's live, live. Oh. Live. 
What are you smoking upon? Tonight, we're going with one of the old faithfuls, the Ashton VSG. Mm. Never, a, never a dull stick. So it was recently brought to my attention that I guess when I'm looking directly in the camera, like when we do this show, you know, I'm looking at the comments on the side, I'm pulling up photos, I'm checking messages from people, you know, private messages and people are sending me stuff, you know, and trying to finagle so that we can share the photos live and all that. But I guess when I look directly at the camera, I have crazy eyes and I'm a little self-conscious about it now, to be brutally honest. And then I also realized, like when Casey Cannon and I went out herping, he took a couple pictures of me with some with some snakes that we found, and they're good pictures. But the problem is, I look like this. So <laughs> I gotta I gotta figure out how to change my face. <laughs> change your face. Uh, I'm gonna change it for you. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm actually as much as I love my Ashton, I'm jealous of your Blue Label Miami. I gotta get more. Well, you probably have a lighter that actually has fluid in it. So. I do, I do. I have Even more. I juice. literally have four sitting here with me. So. <clears throat> Bound to have one with with some life in it. Jeff says, yeah. "Ah, embrace it, Phil or Kendra. I don't know which one it is." But hello, everybody who's joining us. We're getting a very casual start tonight. I kind of like it. I love the new background. So I figured since a bunch of our fellow snakes and stogieites, uh, stogie, stogians, 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 uh, are going to Daytona that I'd put together a Daytona snakes and stogies sampler for the people. If you're going to Daytona, you can just pick it up at the show and then you have something to smoke while we're there. Yeah. And then if anybody wants to buy it, who isn't going to Daytona, they can still grab one. So, just have to figure out what exactly that will be, what that will entail. But, uh, yeah, it seems like a pretty solid idea to me. I feel like we should do... <laughs> We're now Gendra. <laughs> Gendra. I love that. I'm totally using that from now on. <laughs> Dustin says... Stalagomites? Stalagmites. Stalagmites, yes. So, I think that the Daytona sampler should be... Uh, something that is beachy and vacationy, you know. I feel like like we should really put a little thought into this. Isn't every cigar vacationy? Nah, I don't know. Some of them are just to cap off the day, you know. It's a little mental vacation. I'll tell you what. So the past three or four snakes and stogies, I have not had an alcoholic beverage, and I was like, I had a long day. I'm going to have a, an adult cocktail. And I went to go pour my rum. And that's the last of it. It was very sad. Very depressing. So. No, only a whole glass. What? It's not a whole glass. It's like two and a half oh, fingers. Dude, that's like four fingers. It's forced perspective, right? Forced perspective. Look at how big my, my bass fish is. Um, What are you drinking? Uh, Bang. As always. My man. So I need it. You need it. So I redid the intro to Venomous Etiquette videos. 
And for those that are care to watch this, whether it be live or after the fact, uh, with if Justin, if you're all right with it, I'd like to throw the intro up there because do it. I want to get people's I want to get people's opinion of it. I don't know if um, we'll get the audio or not. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unplug my headphones and it'll just play out the speakers. Um, oh. The music is extremely. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'll just say it. the music is very drab, and I was kind of going for like a Schindler's List kind of, you know, like like very serious, very monotone, you know, which, <clears throat> excuse me, hindsight, I, I don't want to do that. I want it to be more uplifting. I want it to be more adventurous. You know, I want stories of, you know, Theodore Roosevelt in, in Africa and ancient taxonomists and that kind of thing. So uh, let me pull it up real quick. And you guys can, you know, Snakes and Stogies fans can see it firsthand before it airs anywhere else. <clears throat> And Jeff, I am sending you the template to those cards right now. I watched some uh, carpets and coffee this morning. Hung out with the with the guys. Played some MTG on my computer while I listened, and got on the topic of record keeping and stuff. And I, I sent Eric and Lucas the uh, the cards I use, which you saw. Uh, so Jeff, I'm sure. Go ahead and tell you this instead of typing it all up. But um, these are basically they're double well, not basically they are double sided. I get them printed on a slightly thicker cardstock. Um, I don't know exactly what to compare it to. Phil's had his hands on them. He might be able to tell you, but um, get them on a slightly with that heavier cardstock. They seem to hold up better, you know, with getting wet and stuff. Uh, and then they're about the size of a five by seven, maybe slightly larger. Um, yes, MTG Magic. The gathering yeah they got the mtg arena on so you can play it on your computer now because the, the previous uh like digital versions outside of magic online were horrible but this one's actually really good so you can download it for free it's pretty sweet get it on your phone too but I, it's easier on my old man eyes to play on the computer so my uh cardboard crack i've been clean from physical magic for a couple of years now, but digital magic is a different, uh, different story. Um, so yeah, the cards are, like I said, slightly larger than a five by seven, slightly thicker card stock. All the information is like right at the top as far as like sire dam hatch weight. Um, all that good stuff. So it's pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. Cox has some Henry, if you have it and you, you did it through Epic games, I need to get your username so I can smoke you. <laughs> All right. So, uh, here it is. And like I said, ignore the music because, uh, yeah, it's going to change. Put some Bone Thugs and Harmony on there, dude.
How did you, did you shoot that with your phone? Yeah. Did you put like a filter on it or something? It just it looks really sharp. I mean, I'm, iPhone cameras, I will not lie. As much as I do not like Apple's phones, their cameras on their phones are, are pretty much it. Damn, Jeff said, whose funeral? <laughs> hmm. Oh. Well, there you have it. That's the first opinion. <laughs> uh. are you, what do you want to change it to? Um, like I said, I want it. I want, I want old, you know, the adventure of taxonomy. I want, you know, old the Indiana dude. Jones theme, bro. Yeah. Well, that's difficult and they're expensive. <laughs> so Toad I'm, Ranch. hello. They've got good I'm, cages. Nice. I'm pleased with the videography of it. I just need to fix the music. And I, I worked really, really hard on that music, too. I had to, like, splice violins and cellos and shit together. Um, Jeez. And I'm. I, it would be great if it was a morbidly depressing, you know, Holocaust movie or something. But um, we definitely need to go with something a little more upbeat and a little more adventurous. You know, tales of the lands of high adventure. So... But just the sound of a Florida crackhead just screaming off in the distance. <laughs> I don't think they had crackheads in the uh, in like the 1890s. So. Is that what they sound like? I've, I've heard some crackheads. They don't sound like that. So yeah, they're like, just say, "Hey man, do you have a dollar?" Yeah, yeah. Well. Let me know what you guys think about the intro. The I mean, I I agree with stay. you. Having like sl slightly more upbeat, slightly more. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you the. Uh, well, have you checked any websites? Like, have you looked at any royalty? Because, you know, YouTube has like a whole free music library that you can use. Of royalty free music. Some of them you have to give credit. Some of them you don't. Right. And um and I'm actually looking at, uh, you know, Burke sent me a couple things that he uses for a lot of his music. And I have no problem paying for like those royalty free subscriptions or whatever. Um, the problem is there's so many of them. And I've been listening to a lot of like, I've been listening to a lot of everything just to kind of figure out which one I'm going to subscribe to. You know and what I mean? The problem with those is if you only need one song, it ain't worth having to pay like a subscription for because then you end up paying thirty dollars for a single ten second track or twenty second track. Mm -hmm. so, I don't, I don't know. I just ashed everywhere. I'm like a hot mess tonight, dude. You are a hot mess. Um, no, and that's the thing is, I wanted to find a subscription website that I could use for everything. I mean, if we wanted to use it for some of this stuff, and we wanted to use it for podcast stuff, if we wanted to use it for. I mean, anything we do, you know, and I figured that most of them are relatively inexpensive, you know, 20, 30 bucks a month, whatever it is. Um, I just didn't want to subscribe to six different ones, you know, so I'm still working on that yeah. stuff. And uh, when I had a bunch of footage set up for the next episode and I wound up not scrapping it, but realizing that I want to film it in a different way. So I'm, I'm back at the drawing board and I wanted to you know, apologize to everyone who's been excited to see whatever i've got coming up next but uh it'll be coming out i just i want to i don't want to half-ass it i want it to be nice I want it to be yeah good. i mean at the same time you you know don't overthink it and put too much time and and stuff into it just find a spot where right. you're content and get her done right 
Yeah. Well, like, for example, that intro, um, it honestly took me about an hour and a half to two hours to, to, to make that. But I've also been spending countless five minutes here, 10 minutes there being like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do that. Oh, look, I found an entire website that just has sound effects of pages turning like, you know, and I'm like, why am I going down this rabbit hole? <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm having fun with it and hopefully people will like it when it's done. But I figured uh, people can look at it there and, and on here and tell me what you think. And if it sucks, let me know. Be honest. Definitely doesn't suck. Like I said, it's just finding that track. Yeah, right. So, how is she? Light jazz. Maybe. Cocktail jazz. Maybe. Come Coltrane. Yeah, maybe we we'll get some Art, Art Blakey in there. Miles Davis. Art Blakey, some jazz messengers, maybe. That might yeah. work. Peeing your pants is cool. Then I'm Miles Davis. <laughs> some BB King. If I was the mayor, everyone on their birthday would get brand new shoes. <laughs> What's happening? What's what's been going on over the last week down there in the the mouth of the rat? The mouth of the rat. I uh, since Casey Cannon had taken his little trip down here, and we did some a lot of herping, <laughs> a lot of herping. That would be <laughs> hilarious if it was just her laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gendra. So. I actually have some pictures from Casey and I herping if you guys want to see them. Because um, contrary to what people think, we, we did find snakes. I promise. I think um, we talked about those on Thursday because we did our little surprise live stream, remember? Oh, that's right. We did. We did. And I showed the legless lizard and all that. Uh, that's mm -hmm. right. Okay. So yeah, did a bunch of that. Um, went out again last night with some friends that are they're not herpers, but they like to get out and about. Uh, found some, found some great Palm Beach County corn snakes, um, and it, it, Palm Beach County corns always bother me because they're gorgeous looking animals. They're they're always in great shape. They're never they never have scars. They never have ticks, but they can't pick a color. It's like a, it's honestly it's what you'd expect. It's a hybrid between your traditional Southern corn and the Miami. So like yeah, the orange, the orange isn't bright orange. It's mm -hmm. like meh, but the grays and the slate tones, they're also not like gray and slate and contrasting. They're like the opacity is low. You know what it's I mean? Miami's for people who don't like Miami's. It's Okatee's for people who don't like Okatee's. Exactly, exactly. And to be honest, I think what would really, really make them better is if the checkerboard belly was more defined. They have a lot of modeling and a lot of flecking in the belly. Actually, here, I'll just show you a picture. Yeah, just make it say, please, please. Yeah. Please do. Let's just share this. I'm glad Mike and Billy Jenkins enjoyed the herping live streams because those drive me absolutely bananas. I know. You still owe me a clip, by the way. Oh, that's right. You do owe me a clip. Yeah. It's yeah. just like then I gotta pull up GarageBand. I gotta go find the file, bring it back up, try and oh, remember no. I had the timestamp for the clip, and then it clip doesn't... it and export it, bring it up oh. in Alphonic, oh, bring up geez. the graphic. Three and, and a half hard. minutes. 
three and a half minutes of your life while you're bored at work, please. You mean five minutes? Oh, a whole five minutes. I think you could do it. So, uh, forgive these cell phone photos and washed out car headlights, but there's one of them. So, I mean, you can see it, they're great looking animals. Um, yeah. They're just not, they're not like. I kind of like how the side looks digitized almost though. Oh, it's, it's super digitally. Digitally. And like the checkerboard's not, like it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to do with, can you guys see my cursor? I think it has a lot to do with, see the white line in between the black bars? Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot to do with that. I feel like I see more of the, the black rectangles broken up on these, like Palm Beach County and some of the Hendry stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, Makes but, me think of Guitar Hero. Yeah, right? Right? Um, so that was that one. Uh, that Cigarette in mouth. That's a different one. <laughs> It's such a Florida picture. That's a good looking one. But again, that crazy. A snake or the same snake. So that snake and that snake, I think, are the same. That one's different. I got you. How far apart did you find those? Uh, about a, mm, half a mile, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And then... Uh, I managed. I was. I was messing with this photo. This photo was actually really hard to take. Oh, it won't show it. Why won't it show it? It won't. Uh, it won't load. Hang on. I'm gonna have to send it to Messenger because for some reason it doesn't want to translate. Dom wants to know if you found her a rough green. No, I took Casey to the rough green spot, and we didn't see a single one. And I'm, I'm wondering, I recently showed someone that spot who is a rough green fanatic. And I'll be honest, I'm wondering if they legit over collected. And I talked to that person because that was always a spot. You guaranteed to find four or five a night. Easy. Sometimes we find 15 or 20 of them. Um, wow. so I don't, I don't know if it's just the weather or what. Um, I'm going to species that I feel is way more common than we think. We just never see them because they yeah. blend in so well with anything of any shade of green. Yeah. Short of being, you know, almost black. Those things blend in so well. So any anytime I see one, it's crossing the road. It's uh, I never mm -hmm. find one in a tree or a bush or anything like that. You know? So when I find them in the past, in years past, it was always about 25, 30 minutes before dark. And they would be stretched out coming off, coming onto the road. And they still do that little like periscope head up thing. Yeah. Um, and you think it's just a uh, a piece of creeper, but you realize it has no leaves. So um, <clears throat> so we find them that way. And then at the same time, uh, what we'll do is we'll find they live in a lot of Brazilian pepper too. So we'll find a big you know head of Brazilian pepper plants, which are invasive, and we'll just I will eye shine that or head head torch that, and you'll see it they're coiled up on a branch like not coiled like a chondro uh, coiled like a yeah they like like almost like amazons do yeah they just kind of like pulled kinda, up but they're, yes. they're touching three points at least yes and, you know, yes yeah. so um and we'll find them that way and that's the best because you'll find three or four in a single tree mm -hmm. um i had a blast with those as a kid man like watching those things hunt like you just go catch some grasshoppers and throw them in there and watching them just like inch their way over and then yeah, they're they're fun snakes they're, they oh, really yeah. are 
So I managed to take that. That is uh, nice. that is basically where civilization meets the Southern Everglades. That's like the bottom of Big Cypress National Forest. And again, cell phone camera. I tried to enhance it and get some stars in there, but I love the street signs that say, you know, entering Hendry County. This one says leave and call your county. Like it just, it adds, it adds a feeling to the photo, you know? And I just, lately I've been kind of stars obsessed and uh, we've had some really good we uh, weather by me. So like, you know, going out late at night and seeing stars is kind of, see, look at that. My, my the MO. guy sees an, a meteor and now he's, now I he's know, legit. Now he's um, Al Roker. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, it's funny. We talked about that, and then Dr. Wyman sent us a news article. They apparently that thing was like the size of a Volkswagen, right? Yeah. So, from what I gathered, the, the thing um, was actually big. Yeah. So, apparently, it was a fragment from a um, <laughs> Henry just messaged me. Thanks for the freaking corn snake. I can't give you that corn snake. It was too pretty. Um, so, apparently, Dr. Wyman sent me this, this article. Uh, I guess there's a, a astrological association or science institution in Tampa. Nerd. They were saying that it's a fragment of asteroid off of a larger asteroid that was passing the planet. And when it entered the atmosphere, it was the size of a Volkswagen bug. And then by the time it made landfall, yeah. it was about the size of a, a, a ping pong ball. But it landed 40 miles east of West Palm Beach in the Atlantic Ocean. But I swear to you, it looked. I remember like, seeing it in the video. I just thought yeah. it was lightning. Yeah, it looked like it was maybe a hundred or two hundred yards away. That's how intense right. it was. So I can only imagine people like on if it landed off the coast of West Palm Beach. I can only imagine if there were people like walking their dog on the beach, like what that would have looked like. Crazy Fucking cover, man. Yeah, I would have been out of there. Be like, this is the this is this is the beginning of the end. The aliens are here intense man and then I, of course i go down the rabbit hole and like only so many people see that in their lifetime and like we were yeah. we well were you think about man. the just the the size of that a the radius yeah. you have to be in to see it in the first place and then the odds of you being a person in that location on the planet at the time it happened awake yeah. and like it makes yeah. sense yeah you know? you know i'm sure it's 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 better nowadays with like you know ring cameras and stuff but I saw, uh, just going down that rabbit hole, people saw it as far as Lakeland, which is about 100 mm -hmm. miles from West Palm. So, Johnny said, one meteor the size of an SUV enters our atmosphere every day. He said 50 the size of basketballs. That's crazy. Absolutely nuts. It's amazing how that burns up, but like mm -hmm. the space shuttle lands. Right. You know, it's yeah. crazy crazy yeah i don't know that's all way out of my realm as far as brain capacity and yeah stuff yeah like i said if it had landed somewhere near you i you you know casey's ass would have been climbing it trying to figure it like getting radiation and growing up like a third arm or something while he's I, looking it, around it, laughing it his ass it. off about it it would be worth it i would do it right with him i would do it right with him <laughs> and then Johnny said hundreds of thousands the size of baseballs, which I guess if it makes sense. You have like we have stuff flying around 
past us in space all the time. Like, of course, there's going to be stuff that's going to hit our windshield, so to speak. You know? Yeah. See, that's cool. Because he said space is my second passion after snakes, specifically black hole physics. But you learn a lot of random facts. The whole black hole physics thing is something that I'm super fascinated with, but I haven't yet to do any sort of serious reading about it. Just the whole concept of it is just mind blowing to me. But yeah. Pretty sure Billy's Pac Man is a black hole. It is a black hole. Billy got his Nova's hatching. He does. So excited. So excited! I, I tried to, I tried to call him earlier. Casey want to lick the asteroid. <laughs> well, was it was it on air or off air when I was saying how if I if we did see it land and we found that meteor, I would immediately be calling a friend who has a plasma cutter so we can whack that thing up and, and just distribute its awesomeness to all of our friends. That would be awesome. Here, have a piece of irradiated space junk. Yup, <laughs> I love it. Bring it into your house and all your electronics fry. Or you get superpowers like Venom. Uh, and then Dom said, I feel like you would you'd love Interstellar. I don't I actually have not seen that. I know it's a Christopher Nolan movie. I know it got tons of praise, but I also heard it was kind of depressing. So I, I see. Know. I see. Uh, yeah, that's awesome that Billy got Novas. Um, I, I'm thinking those really don't, don't, and haven't been produced in any sort of large numbers. Yeah. So to have Billy working on those is is awesome. I'm stoked. I can't wait to, for them to all be out of the egg. It's gonna be so fucking cool. Awesome. Still waiting on Baird's eggs. That female has been in and out of that egg box like crazy. Today is day eight uh, from Prelay Shed, so should be this week. Cool. Um, she looks pretty loaded, so I'm hoping it's a decent sized clutch. Baird's don't nice. have very large clutches, kind of like the you know the Boiga. Um, so we'll see. Corn eggs seem to be doing okay so far too. Um. They look a little undercalcified, which is something that we were talking about last night in our little chat. Right. Um, Matt most turned me on to some liquid calcium that I've been supplementing and giving females a boost. Um, you know, you if you read about bears and stuff, speak of the devil, Matt's right there. Um, yeah. You often, you'll see anytime you're reading about breeding bears that people give the females extra calcium. Why bears are different from other pantherophis or, or, you know, more North American colubrids, I don't know. Um, the only thing I can think of is maybe they have a higher lizard diet in the wild. So maybe they're naturally getting more calcium than they would from rodents. Uh, who knows? That's, that's my only real logical theory behind it, but, right. uh, so some people said, uh, <laughs> Mike, I, Oh, cool. I came in just after Baird's talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some people said just, you know, put some in the water bowl, but that confused me because it's like if you put in the water bowl, wouldn't that just completely dilute, dilute and yeah. dissolve and completely defeat the point of that? So I just I put it in, in feeders, frozen thawed feeders and send it. So nice. doing that, um, we'll see if that has any effect if I end up getting multiple clutches this year because I'm also doing it with corn because she clearly needed a little more. She could have used a little more going into that first clutch. And uh, 
know, we'll see. Yeah. And let's just like to reiterate how amazing Matt Most is as a as an individual, as a human being, as a breeder and a keeper. Because aside from him being a, a, a great friend now, uh, he has been holding my hand, walking me through doing some supplement rehydration stuff with one of my babies. And the dude's dynamite, man. Can't speak highly enough about him, you know? So it's awesome that he's even here listening. I'm not saying that because he's here listening. But you know what I mean? I so badly, like the more I think about this, because I was actually doing some reading last night. Alan Rapashi did an article back in 2014 for reptiles that talks about the different vitamins and stuff. Right. Um, let me see if I can find it and I'll post it in the chat. But really great article on, on vitamins and reptiles and stuff. And that's something I'm actually like, I, I want to know. I've been talking about this lately a lot. It's just my my strong drive to want to know more as far as vitamins and physiology and stuff like that. Um, and this article is actually very insightful. So nice. That's whoops. You post it right. So I, I really want to get that, uh, that book that I've been talking about that, that reptiles medicine surgery, um, and they were talking on uh, Carpets and Coffee this morning about how the complete carpet python is apparently, like, stupid expensive. Um, like, a couple hundred bucks. So I was like, I need, I'm need. i just going to sell that because I read it and I'm good. Um, and then buy that book. So Cool. Cool. I, uh... I'm trying to read the <laughs> chat and talk at the same time and it ain't working yeah, I, I'm watching your eyes. It's kind of funny. Uh, I've actually been on a book crusade lately just looking for stuff. And, dude, it, you know, knowledge is power. And we all have Rest a budget. You, Johnny. We, all, we all have a, a, a budget to a certain extent. Um, extent, excuse me. Uh, but it's, it's difficult because I find myself prioritizing certain books by their monetary cost. And I think... I'm just going to start to just get what I can afford, but still put a priority on what I want to learn first or what I want to know first, you know, and I don't, I, I've, I've cursed myself in the past because I'm like, Oh, I'll buy that book later. And then it's out of print and I can't find it, you know, like Iper's a lapid book. Um, and, and the, the, the infamous gecko Bible that's eight or $900 on Amazon. <clears throat> uh, yeah, well, like we were talking about that that rat snakes one, you know, that you could only find over yeah. over in Switzerland. That was for sale. Like, I really want that one, but yeah. not knowing if it's in English or some other foreign language, it's like I, I'm going to spend that much money on it. I kind of want to know. Um, yeah, but yeah, and then you could be like Ryan Cox and walk into a used bookstore and find it for probably next to nothing. Yeah, yeah, I think he uh, he got a medical book that was that I know usually goes for about three hundred bucks, and he paid thirty five dollars. Yeah. So crazy, man. Crazy. Um, <laughs> I still haven't gotten uh, Nipper's friend who wrote the book on Israeli herbs. I still haven't got that book. And I, I'm embarrassed to say I got to message him again because I can't remember the name of it. And I can't, it's, I can't find it like on my own. So I have to message Nipper again. Be like, hey, man, this is the fifth time I'm asking. But uh, what's the name of that book again? Dude, so. people are straight up selling the complete carpet python on Amazon right now for 
$796 and up. That's crazy. That's yeah, insane. But anyone actually, yeah, but no, no one's actually buying it, though. That's just people <sighs> fishing. I There is no book, in my opinion, that is that is worth that much money. Unless, well, I mean, unless you're signed by unless Jesus himself, I, yeah, I cannot justify spending. There are book collectors. Yeah, but there are book collectors that have like a first edition of someone and it's leather bound from 1740. And like, that's an artifact. That's a collectible. They paid 5,000. They sell it for, you know, 15, whatever that I, I understand the concept of that, but a book and, that was and, in print recently, that's $800. I mean, I, I got mine I paid... in 2017 because Amazon's telling me I got it on March 14th of 2017. Well, I'm actually checking. I bought it. I bought it last year. Okay. I bought it last year. I was late to the game. I never bought the book. I bought it last year because everyone's like, oh, it's going out of print. It's going out of print. And obviously we talked to Julander more and more these days. And I was like, oh, I got to get his, I got to get his book. I got to get it. And I think I paid like 75 bucks, 80 bucks maybe. Which I thought was a reasonable for a hardback. Yeah. yeah, less than hundred. Let me look because the place I hold on. I just I don't know because it's the same with that with Vin Rousseau's Boa book that skyrocketed in price, and that's another thing where I actually gave that book away to a kid, one of the local kids at one of the like abusive family support shelters or something. Right. Um, every year they do like a Christmas thing where you can donate. St- like they tell you what their interest is, and you can donate to them. And so one of these kids was interested in dinosaurs and reptiles and stuff. So I gave him like a ton of books that I had that I never read. They well, I read them. They were old. I didn't have any use for them anymore. And that Vin Rousseau book was one of them. So I was like, I hope they figure this out and sell it, and then that child can go to college because that book paid for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least a semester. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked where I bought it. It was eighty dollars uh, plus shipping, and the, but they're sold out. So I think that's about what I paid, if I recall. Yeah. Oh, I can look. I can view this order. Let's see. Oh, so you actually bought it? I paid fifty-two dollars and change. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I read it. It was, it's great. If you're into carpet pythons, it's an absolute must have. Um, but I, I need to get that, uh, that surgery book. So. It's got to happen. Complete carpet. And mine's in, mine's in good shape because mine's literally, I read it and then it just sat on the, uh, it sat on the bookshelf ever since. I'm, I'm pretty sure I should go look at it. Uh, I message yeah. Johnny on Facebook right now. Yeah, my uh, my complete carpet is literally mint, like barely flipped through. So maybe I should. Go, I'm gonna go grab mine and look. If somebody really, really wants it, I'll highly no, not highly, but I will consider selling it. Especially since a new version is going to come out sooner than later, um, and I'm not the collector type in that regard. I get the books because I, I want to learn, you know. Um, but I, but just to go back to what we we're talking about with you know used bookstores, and as long as the book isn't completely destroyed or water damaged or you know, I don't care if the jacket's missing. Half the time, the binding of the book looks way cooler than the jacket anyway. Um, but if I could save a hundred bucks because it doesn't have the jacket, pfft, I'm totally going to buy it. Um, but 
check out your your local used bookstores. You know, they're usually mom and pop, uh, and they're not. You know, uh, they usually willing to haggle a little bit, or everything's priced you know appropriately. The internet kind of ruins the um, the finding it dirt cheap because they didn't know any better. The internet kind of ruins that because everyone can check the internet and check the market value and such. But also check Goodwill. You know, a lot of people they they give away a lot of books and you know books that they they bought this book for their kid who liked snakes at a garage sale for a nickel, you know, they give it to goodwill because the kid's grown up and went off to college. And now you get to buy it for 10 bucks and it could be a hundred dollar book. It could be, you know, and the, the value of the books are relevant because you want, you want to gain the knowledge. So check out goodwill, salvation army, that kind of thing. Pristine. Like I said, literally read it, put it back on the shelf. It's been sitting there ever since. So now I'm afraid to, Put the, like have a cigar around it. Yeah, don't get it all stinky, right? Johnny buys it. I'll even sign it for him. Nice. Up? <laughs> kind I'm of. not the author, but <laughs> my name is Justin. <laughs> oh man. So I saw you put a little interactive thing on Instagram story. You know, getting people's uh, opinion about uh, certain topics for tonight's show. Like, I like the uh, you know, reaching out to the listeners and the viewers and communicating as such. Was there anything in there that was legit good conversation starters? Or was it a lot of fluff talking about plants? Well, yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I love how everyone, there's like 20 posts of my face as a uh, response. Uh, so cryptic diversity was one fish isopods. How liasis is the superior genus. Uh, I wonder who sent that Gendra captive herp interactions with other herps and pets. That was you. Yes, it was. Um, what it's like to try breeding different snakes uh, like pythons, colubrids, and boas in the same room. What are the challenges and some tips or tricks for success? The superiority of mustaches over beards. Mm. Um, plants. <laughs> uh, how awesome Jason Keller would look with a mullet and a beard tattoo on his neck. Ruth Vanai and Dione's rat snakes. Dione's, Dione's, I can never pronounce that right. Um, I say Dion's. I say Dion's too. So yeah, I mean the the room question is a is a good one. Um, someone also asked about um, monitoring, like checking the um, temperature in racks. Okay. So you can keep waiting on the fish talk, Cox. Yeah, Cox, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I don't know nothing about fish. This is not aquatics and alcohol. Uh, I don't have any inlands. I really want inlands, though. Yeah, the um, the rack thing. Um, See, I, I just got... like... I... How do you have your probe set on yours? <clears throat> so Let's start there. All right, so in the beginning, I was never a rack guy prior to maybe three years ago. And uh, I mean, like I'd worked with them, I'd used them in certain facilities, but 
but nothing personally on my own. And uh, to be honest, the facilities I had, uh, the room was ambient and a lot of the animals, they didn't stay there long enough to really need, you know, for lack of a better word, good temperature husbandry, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um, and I always was an ambient guy. Uh, now, now I have several racks and my probes I have, with the exception of the rack I got from Sean and PKG Exotics, uh, that's the only one I have that's back heat. And I only have that on for a limited amount of time a day, simply because that rack is by a window and I don't want it to get too warm without me being home. Um, I don't trust those, you know, alarm sensors or whatever. Just, I'm paranoid with that. But everything else I have is bo uh, bottom bottom heat in the back, right? Uh, re recessed track. They're all it's all sea surface stuff. So I always do um, a clear, heavy, thick packing tape, and I adhere the probe to the uh, to the heat tape itself. Because I want it to be, I want it to really know what's cooking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, with the geckos, I have a considerable amount of substrate in each tub. So what I'll do is um, I have multiple temp guns just because I don't trust one temp gun. And I'll check temp at the front of the tub. I'll check temp at the back of the tub. And then I'll move the sand with my hand or the substrate with my hand and I'll hit the plastic. And even with the sand in there, the substrate in there, uh, it acts as a pretty good you know, conductor and it's very, very relatively close in temperature. So if the bottom of the naked tub is say 81, the surface of the sand might be eight or it might be 81 still. Um, but the front of my tub may be 76 or 74 depends on what time of the day it is. Um, I don't have night drops on the geckos like I should. Um, and then some of the, the, the bigger racks of the CB seventies or V seventies, whatever you want to call them. Um, those uh, I don't have night drop at all because they're all snakes and they really don't care. Um, but I will tell you this, I've been lucky because I didn't check temps for a while. I just assumed it was good. And I walk in the room and the, you know, electronic LCD display is just blanked out and I must've had a brownout or something. So I immediately yoink it out of the wall, unplug everything, open the drawers. Temperature was just room temp. So I got lucky. It didn't overheat. It didn't overregulate. I guess what happened was when I had that brownout, it just turned it off, which I don't know if that's a, a model thing. It's it's a it's a Vivarium Electronics uh, V300 is on that one. Did you change the fuse? No. I, I honestly, when I plugged it back in, it just went back to normal. Oh. So that's why I think it was some kind of brownout or something where it got a, a, a slight surge and that was it. But I have multiple temp guns. I check the front. I check the back. I check under the substrate if there is a heavy amount of substrate. And then for the longest time, too, especially with baby geckos, um, I got the uh, Exoterra Makes digital hygrometers that uh, have a little suction cup, right? Yep. And what I would do is uh, I would do the suction cup or they have a little piece of adhesive Velcro. And I would Velcro it to the front of the tub and then, you know, tie the wire because the wire is, you know, two foot long, whatever tie a little wire up and then just fish that probe in through the front of the tub. And that would give me the relative humidity at, at least at the front of the tub. And uh, believe it or not, I have like eight or nine of those exoterra ones. They're like 15, 20 bucks a piece. They work phenomenal. They literally tell you exactly what's what. And uh, I always take them like not always, maybe like once a month, I'll take it and I'll take the probe and I'll put it in front of my mouth and I'll go, ah, like real, like blow out real hot air, and you'll watch it just go like 
76, 77, 99. So like it, it's it's quick to read. Um, but I mean, that's how I do tub temp checks. Well, the reason I asked about pro placement because that like there's, there's so there's more factors to that than even I kind of thought of until just a few minutes ago when we started talking about it. But right. like in my room, I have that window and I have a right. rack in front of that window. It gets afternoon sun. Okay. So that definitely ups that corner yeah, of the but room. That, but that wall is facing north, correct? I have no idea. I thought that, I thought that wall faces north. <clears throat> I, I don't know. Okay. Maybe. Go, sorry, go on. Um, so that will up the temperatures. And then there's an air vent right above that rack as well. So that kind of lowers things a little bit. But the way that those AP racks are, is there's a little slot where you put that probe, but there's still like a very tiny little section where that probe isn't even coming close to the heat tape. Okay. So that makes me, it gets a little warmer than it would if it were directly on the tape. But the issue is when I have it directly on the tape, that tape doesn't hold, you know, it heats up and that glue comes, becomes more viscous or less viscous or whatever the term is. And then it, you know, pops out and the probe falls and then you're, tubs start melting because probe keeps saying up the temp up the temp um so i'm not necessarily a fan of that but in my hatchling rack where i have the baby uh cyania and where i have some of the small beards uh the probe is in like the so there's like seven three tub shelves right and so i have the probe for that one in the center of that rack in that center tub but it's attached to one of the the uh, S3D perches, the Brahms perches. Yeah. And so it's getting like it's it's making the temperature of that back half, you know, 82, I think is what I have it set at. And I have yet to that seems pretty consistent. I haven't had any issues with that yet. Um, but I also have one of the racks that my dad put together that has a probe that's touching the heat tape. So I've kind of I've I've done both. Most of the caging companies I think will tell you get it as close to the heat tape as you can, and I think that's just going to cause a sharper gradient if that makes any sense. Sure. Um. So I don't. I don't know. So far, like I said, that that having it in the hatchling rack in that middle tub seems to be working fine. Um. I don't have to worry about it falling out. Like I have, like I've had a couple of racks where that probe fell out, you know, on that small calendar rack that I got from Sean. It wasn't anything Sean did or, you know, any design flaw. It was just, it had come loose and it fell out of the back. And I was wondering why all the condros were hugging the front of the tubs, all six of them. And I was like, that's not right. And I stuck my hand in there and it was crazy hot. Temp gunned it. It was all, I want to say getting into the triple digits in the back. So fortunately, I didn't have any issues. I didn't lose any of them. But what I did then was I took a zip tie, zip tied right behind the head of that probe where the cord starts, and then left that big long tail on it so that basically when it hits that little hole where that probe comes through, it can't fall back. It just stays stays yeah. in there. So it is it is kind of tough, and it's one of those things like I've learned now to to double check your probes periodically. You know, once or twice a month, make sure everything's where it's supposed to be because i did have that one rack that that probe fell out and i wondered what was smelling like burning plastic and it turns out to be one of the colubrid racks the probe had just vanished and 
I have burnt heat tape on that rack, and that rack hasn't been plugged back in since. It's pretty much done. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't really like that rack to begin with. The tubs are super hard to pull in and out, and the water goes everywhere. So I'm not really complaining. It's a piece of shit. But <clears throat> so. Yeah, yeah I, uh, but I just temp gun everything. I was going to say too is is I I I started to recently check my thermostats themselves as much as I check the pro placement and the temps in the tub <clears throat> because <clears throat> excuse me I got a frog in my throat um ribbit um because I was saying about brownouts I my neighborhood is uh, is basically a peninsula. And they didn't want like high tension wires or phone lines or whatever to come across water. So everything's underground, which is great for a hurricane because everyone else who loses power because of down trees and stuff, I usually don't. I usually stays yeah. on. Um, but I do get a ton of brownouts. And I think it has to do with surges at the power source. So I'll come home from work and I have, you know, two VE uh, 100s that I can see from like sitting in bed and they'll be flashing. And I'm like, what the hell happened now? And I'll look and it's, it, it says, you know, 12 midnight and it's like, you know, six at night. I'm like, okay, clearly I had a brownout and it reset itself. But I've also noticed where it's not a legit brownout. It's just a miniature dip in electricity or dip in wattage or whatever. And it'll skip a beat or it'll skip an hour and it'll be like shut off for like an hour, but the lights are still on. You know what I mean? So I'll notice they'll say one thermostat will say 11 p.m. The other one will only say like 10:35 or 10 o'clock, whatever it was. And the, the that, VE ones to are for me have been like when you lose the power in your your oven, the, the yeah. oven or the microwave, the clock blinks. That's yeah. how I know the power went out because yeah. I'll, I'll notice it has to you know have to reset it. Right, and and that's that's what I was gonna say is if you have night drops whether it be on timer or it be on the actual night drop module from Var from, from Vivarium Electronics, excuse me, that'll re mess up everything. You know what I mean? Because now it's getting hotter later or cooler earlier or however you want to phrase it. And that can mess with your breeding cycles. That can mess with, you know, your you trying to replicate times of year or seasons in captivity. Obviously, it depends on the species you're working with. But just be mindful that even though you're checking the temps in the tubs or the temps in the drawers, Pay attention to the actual thermostat itself because it can be off and you might not notice it at that time, but at two in the morning, it could be dynamically different. Yeah. I What I've started doing now because I bought one of those massive, like five foot long industrial power strips from Walmart because I got tired of having like three yeah, uh, yeah. surge protectors on a wall. Right. So everything on that one wall with the window is plugged into that, that power strip. Cool. And now at night, I just turn everything off. Like I just hit yeah. the switch on the surge protector. Everything cools down. And then in the morning, you know, lights go off and then in the morning I just click it back on and everything starts back up again. And that's well, what's the ambient at three in the morning. I don't know. Well, I would, I would look probably in the, it's gotta be in the mid seventies if I had to guess. Cause the AC I have set at like 72 right now. And it's okay. almost always a couple degrees warmer in that room just because of everything that's going on. So, yeah, see, I got to be careful because with the venomous and stuff, I have the air vents closed off. The room is sealed uh, in. Yeah, I have the door point. sweep. So uh, a what? when it a, a door sweep, yeah. yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> that was another thing someone answered when I asked what we should talk about. They were like, oh, yeah. Sweep. Like, ha, ha, ha. Terry Burwell nice. thought it was hilarious. Yeah, well, Terry's a smart man. 
<laughs> so, uh, what I was gonna say is when it gets cold, it gets cold, like way colder than I wanted to. Unfortunately, it's not cold enough to do the brumation that I want to do, but it's it's it does chill down quite a bit. Um, I'm actually just starting to look at uh, uh, UV stuff again and heating emitter stuff again because you know I got those those new rinks to, new to me and. Uh, I'm going to set them up legit. I really want to, I want to put some, some sweat and backbone into, the, into these setups. And I was looking at, you know, uh, fans and air circulation. And then, you know, uh, uh, Rob Kellaway was kind enough to send me some information on UV index per the different States of South Africa. Oh, nice. <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. He sent me this, this link to a, a PDF file, on basically a care sheet. And it has a, uh, He's like, I don't know if you know this already. It could, I could be beating a dead horse, but I thought this was pretty cool. I figured you'd enjoy it. I said, that's awesome, man. Thanks so much. And then I open it and I'm like, holy shit, this is what I've been looking for. And it literally goes into like times of the year, the UV indexes per each state and region in South Africa. So like, uh, you know, if you're in Eastern Cape, it's a, it's in, it's July, you're right around here. If you're in KwaZulu-Natal and it's July, you're like right around here. So it, it super helpful and i want to emulate that i really do i want to try and get it as close as i can um and that's and then between that and you guys you know with stone and matt most and everybody talked about lights and and, and yeah uh, i'm just going down that rabbit hole it's 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 a lot it's a lot to process yeah that's i guess that's that's the problem when you surround yourself with you know, guys that take it seriously is you kind of by default yeah. up the uh, up the ante, you know. And it makes me wonder how I was successful long ago when I did. I clearly didn't know any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it worked for a long time, but man, it's going to be so much better when I do this. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, just like with the lights for me, like, you know, talking to, to Matt about, about you know, supplementation and what species sort of benefit from that more than others and things like that. Uh, you know, it's just, I think this, this hobby in particular is very, I guess with anything really, not even necessarily the hobby, but like the people you surround yourself with, like the company you keep. Of course. You know that you're gonna, you can either have people that are kind of okay with being where they're at, and then you can have people that like Matt and Rob and those guys that are constantly finding out the best ways to to do things better. And I think by default, even if you're not necessarily consciously trying, it puts that bug in your ear, and you start really like. I mean, you and I are, are prime examples of that. Like UV with Ganyasoma, yeah, I considered it. Did I ever think that it was something that they they would really benefit them? To the point where it's 100% worth doing. No, but talking to Matt, you know, it definitely makes yeah. sense given that their diet and activity in the wild and how high they up they are and how much UV they're getting normally. Uh, it makes more sense. And it's, you know, it's one of those things. You just surround yourself with greatness and you two will become great. Yeah. yeah. Wise words, man. Wise words. So, but you didn't like my idea of. The interacting with other reptiles and interacting. No, I, I did. I wanted to talk about it. I was just wondering. Oh, okay. What it like? Was there something in particular that you had seen that you were? Yes. So 
my mm-hmm. personal, yeah, my, my personal observations. I've got, I've got essentially two concepts. One of which is I have racks with snakes and geckos that are at floor level, and I have a dachshund. I have a wiener dog, and he doesn't. He first of all, he hates lizards. His sole goal in life is to seek out, hunt, and kill anoles. That's like his mo. So when I bring him to my parents' house, they have like a big backyard, you know, patio area, and all he does for like eight hours a day is just hunt lizards. He never catches them. He rarely. I think he's caught like two in his entire life. But uh, he doesn't even know that those lizards are in those tubs, but they're watching him. And I noticed that, and I noticed like the with the uh, underwatersaurus, they'll sit there all big, big frog eyed, and they're just like, "I'm gonna eat that dog." Yep. <laughs> I'm going to eat that. I'm going to eat. And like, I see the tail, the tail doing the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I'm thinking to myself, this gecko is smaller than the dog's foot, but it's going to try and eat that dog. And that got me thinking about how a lot of our rack systems and even some of our like glass enclosures or acrylic enclosures, the animals can see out. We don't think they can because we're not thinking like that. Same thing with fish. When we look at the front of a fish tank, here you go, Cox, we're talking about aquatics right now. There you go. When you when you look at the front of a fish tank, you see in crystal clear. But if you turn yourself to the side, you look at one of the side windows from the front of the fish tank. There's the ref- reflection, and it looks like a mirror, but it's not. If you were in that fish tank looking out, it would be completely visible to you because you're on the inside, not looking from the outside. So I think about the same thing with the tubs, and I have geckos next to snakes, mm-hmm. and now I've got snakes looking at geckos going. I can eat that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to eat that. You know, and I've got a, a, a baby water python staring at a knobtail. And I'm like, this is, why did I do this? Why are they, why did I put them next to each other? <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it's funny because, like, I've got, uh, you know, the jag I got from Billy. That jag sits on his paper towel roll and stares at a knobtail gecko all night. All night, just waiting for that knobtail to make a move. And the knobtail's like, I'm on this side, bro. You can't get me. So, I start noticing these weird interactions and I, and part of me wants to see how long before they just become numb to it. You know what I mean? Cause they're, they're, they're both, they're all babies for the most part in that rack, but you have racks that have a, a gap in between and they're clear or opaque drawers and, and, and tubs. Mm-hmm. So the animals can clearly see each other, whether it be a silhouette or a shadow or the see it clear as day. Um, there was one time when I had a snake in a rack and it would just strike at everything that moved by. So, you know, with, if it was a vision cage or a terrarium or something, you know, you put newspaper on the front to, so that animal can't see out, or maybe you put a, a, a towel, drape a towel in the front of the enclosure so the animal can't see out. So like what I did is I cut pieces of cardboard and I slid pieces of cardboard in next to each tub. So they basically made a barrier and the animals couldn't see each other. But I wonder how many other people have noticed that. And I wonder how many other people have had, you know, poor experiences with it. You know, has it affected the stress level of a particular species, uh, whether it be predatory or or being the prey, you know? So I figured we could bring that up and see what people say. And I don't know if you had any experience with it. Uh, So, I mean, the cat, sometimes I'll have the door open while I'm cleaning stuff and the cat loves to go and pester my female hog nose. Okay. And the female hog nose hates it. There you go. That's which it. I'm sure there's some sort of instinctual thing of a cat, which eats anything and everything they can catch, you know? Yeah. So 
I feel bad because he'll sit there and like tap the the tub, and she'll you know do her little false strike, and so I pull him out and and leave him be. But <clears throat> yeah, I mean it's pretty much everything. Every time I've had a cat, minus when I was living with my buddy who had a cat that did not care about anything in that house other than you, you know, the whoever was would give him attention. Um, right. They all were just absolutely obsessed with anything that was going on in those tanks or those tubs. So, so yeah, I just I, uh, I, I keep my my door closed on purpose because I know that he's going to knock stuff over. Hector, my cat, he's going to knock stuff over. He's going to, you know, be driving stuff crazy like just too much of a pain you know yeah yeah i get that you know like i've constantly got a, a dog nudging the door open you know and then I, I get paranoid because some of the baby geckos like I'll, I'll just put a towel on my bed and i'll just put the tubs in the bed you know i'll put the tv on you know background noise you know watch big bang or something in the background while i'm you know sifting sand on my bed and uh, the dog sits there and stares at me. And all I can think of is, <laughs> don't drop the gecko. Don't drop the gecko. Don't drop the gecko. Because he is so vivacious with those annuls. I he would. I think he would just slaughter it. You know what I mean? So I have to be fair. You know what's, what's funny is there was, there was a garter snake in the front yard yesterday morning when I was, I was walking Archie. And uh, he saw it. And he actually like went after it. Really? Which was it's very bold of him because he's usually a giant chicken when it comes to pretty much anything he's not familiar with. Yeah. Uh, and he like literally like went after this thing and I, I kind of laughed. I you know obviously told him to stop. I don't think he actually got a hold of it at any point, but he got close and yeah, you know, I was like, that's that's a bold move for Archibald because he's not yeah. he's not a, a brave individual Coach. at all. Right. It's like somebody sent me a, a clip today of a guy, I guess, walking, you know, a, a levee or something with his dogs down in Miami. And uh, he's got two dogs, probably about Archie's size, maybe 30, 40 pounds, something like that. Maybe, maybe bigger. And there's like a 12 or 13 foot American croc basking on the opposite side of the levee. And the croc starts to move and the dogs run up and start barking at it. It op the acutus opens its mouth and like shows its teeth real quick, and the dogs are rah, 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 rah. and the guy's like, "Get back here! Stop it! Get back here!" And the dogs are just not listening, and that acutus is just like, "I gotta get the hell out of here!" It just starts like sliding across the thing and just dips right in the water. But all I could think of was those dogs have a death wish. Did you see the one? There was like a small. It wasn't a pomeranian, but it was some other small, tiny dog in Australia. And these people, I guess, had like a, a big saltwater crocodile in their backyard. And, and oh, so they yeah. had these videos of this little teacup, you know, small dog, whatever, ankle biter going up and like biting this crocodile on the tail and it would take off every time. But it was facing the water like it, the, right, the crocodile right. was facing the water. Well, the last video, it was facing the house or wherever oh. they were filming. And so that dog went up there to go do that. And that croc just grabbed it and took it. And it was gone. But it was funny because every time it would scare that croc away, they were like laughing, you know, like, ha, 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 whatever. And then that happened. They were like, oh, my God. It's like, what did you expect? 
Yeah. What did you expect? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's like it was funny at first, and then you saw it, and it was like, oh. Yeah, like there's a reason why they're showing this clip. Like, you know it's going to happen. But, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. But yeah, if anyone has any uh, unique interactions they've observed between tubs in the same rack or, you know, cages next to each other or what have you, you know, let us know. I mean, I'm interested to uh, hear other people's observations. Oh, well, that might be part of the problem. They were feeding it. Oh, that's not good. Let me see. I think this is... I don't see a dog. Okay, guess not. Like they threw a piece of chicken at it and it ate it and then the dog came in and scared it off, but they didn't show the dog getting its comeuppance. So. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. It's on the interwebs. Internet. <clears throat> and Jeff, you tagged me now. I'm not in that group, so I can't see it. Yeah, same thing. I'm assuming it's it's a it's a carpet eating eggs. My camera said I can always tell if a, if a cat has made its way into the room behind me. My carpet goes right to the front of the glass. <laughs> See, that's interesting, too, because we've had our buddy Chris Painshab on THP, and he talked about how his leeches will watch the Gargs and Cresties, but not in, like, a curious way, but in, like, a I could totally fit that in my mouth and eat it way. Yeah. Like a very predatory way. Yeah. Which I thought was yeah. pretty cool. Cool, I guess, in the sense that those things are just giant tree slug raptor things. <laughs> oh man! Did you ever see that giant, that giant quote-unquote extinct gecko from uh, New Zealand? No. So apparently, there's uh, I don't know if it's like a Maori thing with like a Maori, uh, you know, mystical creatures or whatever, but. Apparently there was a giant gecko that was basically the size of like, uh, I don't know, I want to say like an Argus monitor or something. I can't remember the scientific name. Nipper talked about it once. And uh, the only one they have as a specimen is a taxonomy, or not, not taxonomy, excuse me, a taxidermy. And it looks like some dude in sixth grade science class got carried away with plaster Paris <laughs> or paper, paper mache, <laughs> you know, and it's just this giant, like gecko. <laughs> and, uh, I always think about that, man. I think about those, those mountains in there and those high altitude animals. And there's gotta be more giant ass geckos out there. There's just gotta be, you know, whether it's that particular species or it's something we haven't seen before. But there's so many islands and so many mountains on islands that we haven't looked at, and it'll be awesome. One day somebody will find it. Hopefully, leave it alone. And or this video, it's a of, carpet eating an egg, man. Okay. All right. Riveting. 
It doesn't surprise me. I'm sure it smells like a bird. And they're like, hey, look, a bird. Or, hey, look, an egg. Everything likes teed eggs. Well, it's the best prey. It doesn't run away. <laughs> it doesn't fight you. It doesn't run off. It's true. Why the yellow got, rats like them so much? Yeah. It's got water. It's got nutrients. It's got you know calcium. It's got protein. It's did he send it to you? He did, but I can't see it. So No. Okay. I'm not in that group either. I'm not. I'm not one of the cool. Well, I mean, Miguel sent it to me on Messenger. I don't know if he sent it to you or not. Oh no, no, no. I just got it from, from Jeff. Or just or the video, Gendra. or just the link. I got the link from Gendra. Okay, I'm sending you the video right now. Okay. Actually, it wasn't Gendra. It was actually just Jeff. Maybe not. I told it to save the video, and it wouldn't. Oh no, that's because you can't. If you save it on Facebook, it's saved oh, wait. for you. It's not saved to your computer. No, it's right here. It's on my phone. I just oh. sent it to you. Okay. Sending. A text or Facebook? Facebook Messenger. Okay. Technology. Crazy, man. There it is. Let's open this. Let's rewind this a little bit. I don't know why, but it looks like uh, it looks like it's like high speed or something. Let's throw it up. I think it is sped up a little bit. Okay, it's got to be because it looks right. like it wrestles with it for a few minutes. Yeah, it's definitely sped up. And that's quelly, right? I think so. Yeah, because they're all speckly and stuff. Yeah. It's getting it down, man. Now, do we know where this was? Obviously, it's in captivity. But... I don't know. But I like Cox said, I wonder if it spit the shell back up or if it just did the whole thing. I'd imagine it did the whole thing. Yeah, I imagine the whole thing, too. Oh, it restarted. Well, there's calcium. Yeah. Super cool. So, as someone who has different species from different parts of the world and different habitats, how do you manage to meet the criteria for each of those species in the same room? Um, in the past, I have sacrificed my own comfortableness comfort. to my own comfort. <laughs> comfortableness, my own comfort to accommodate the animals that I was keeping. Um, sorry, I got distracted. It's raining out here. Um, <clears throat> so like, for example, in my bedroom, I keep the bedroom relatively cool. So I'll try and keep some of the species in the bedroom that don't mind it cooler. And then if I have to raise their temp, it's easy. I can just add a heat lamp or I can yeah. crank up the thermostat and go from there. Um, I think the biggest part is uh, maintaining the relative humidity um, because most animals, with the exception of some extreme desert stuff or some extreme montane stuff, most animals are happy between 74 and 84, right? Yeah. Uh, however, you know, if it's a, a mangrove snake, you know, a mangrove estuary type snake, it needs a higher humidity than, say, a lizard that lives in an arid grassland, steppe land. 
So while as the arid lizard, I may not spray or mist or make it rain in there more than once a month, if that, those mangroves, they get sprayed three times a week, you know, and their substrate is, you know, consistently more hydrated than anything else. Um, I'm also a key believer in flooding cages on occasion. Um, like some of the, some of the arid species, like the girdle tails and stuff, mm-hmm. I'll, miss, I'll miss them down on occasion, and then I'll just dump like two liters of water in there and flood that thing out. And they freak out and they run up and they evade the flood, or they may stay underwater and just drink and drink and drink, and then they'll Drown. poke their and then, <laughs> no, no, and then they poke their head out of the water and take a breath and swim or crawl to wherever they gotta go. So, um, I think humidity and hydration is a very, very big deal with having different different species from different ecosystems in the same room, more so than just what temp do I keep it at? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm also a, a big fan. We always talk about how animals can take cold way more than they can take heat. So I, I'll keep a room cooler to accommodate a more uh, wide array of habitats, if you will, than warmer. You know, uh, and mm-hmm. very rarely will I ever have a room go more than like 82 ambient for two reasons. One, because it's 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 hot, you know, 82 yeah. is way hotter than we most working really in that. I mean, even in the upper yeah. 70s in my room, dude, just cleaning stuff, I start to sweat. I mean, granted, I'm fat. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, uh, it gets yeah. warm in there. Yeah. And uh, I also like we, we always have this debate of do you keep a neonate? in the same temperature cycles as an adult, or do you just keep them at a relative temperature until they're sexually mature and then go through brumation or hibernation or what have you, or, you know, just temperature cycling. I like to start them off. It's the same thing. If they were in the wild, it would get cold. In right. Winter. They're not going to have get... a say regardless. Exactly. And even though it may be more beneficial to their health to have the constant, you know, and have it the same and the same meal every Tuesday or whatever it is, the same misting and spraying and rainfall every Wednesday, whatever it is. <clears throat> I still think that uh, in the wild, it wouldn't be like that, you know? And that's like, I go back to the, the weather app on my phone and like this, I have weather from all over the world on my phone. And people are like, why do you have, you know, Jakarta in there? Why, why do you have, you know, Dar es Salaam in your phone? I'm like, well, cause I got lizards from Tanzania. Well, <laughs> you know, if it's raining in Tanzania, I'm going to spray that cage down, you know? Um, granted, it doesn't work exactly like that because it's different elevations. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's not raining, you're not going to have that pressure system happening, yeah. Right, but I still try and, you know, give them as much as the wild as I as I can, you know? The animals have a telepathy where they go, I've never been there, but I know it's raining there right now. <clears throat> Where's well, the water? And, and that goes back to... I usually in the past, I've kept a lot of wild caught stuff and they don't know that they're in the Northern hemisphere. They're trying to figure out why is this so dry? It should be raining right now, you know? So I at least try and give them what they can for the first few years until they've better acclimated to our hemisphere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that really answered your question or if I just kind of opened up more questions, but for me, it's keeping the room a little cooler because I can always raise individual enclosure temperatures and making sure that the humidity per the species is appropriate because it's going to be drier regardless because I'm accommodating multiple animals. Yeah. So, 
Well, there's a there's there's you know substrate plays a bigger factor in that I think than maybe one might realize. Yeah. You know, if I'm keeping, I'm not having an issue keeping baby Cyania on dampened paper towel. Uh, at the same time, in the same rack with a Baird's on Aspen. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm not. Those are two issues that I'm. You know, I'm, I shouldn't have any problems with, and and I don't. Um, but it's I, I'm I'm a firm believer, and it's something I think about a good bit actually. Like most species, like I would say a very solid majority of the species we keep in the hobby, all have a relative, a relatively similar baseline in terms of like uh, needs, you know, be it temperature and humidity and stuff like that. And if you think about it, naturally that makes sense because we don't keep a ton of species that are, you know, way high in elevation or, you know, they're all in that, that, that equatorial band more or less within that range. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously stuff like, you know, your montane species, montane rat snakes, montane rattlers, um, bolens, all that stuff. Like that's going to be a little different, but for the most part, I mean, you know what corn snakes experience and what Baird's experience is going to be fairly similar. There's just going to be a difference in humidity because it is way more humid here than it is in Texas. But that's something that's easily adjusted to. I keep, I keep Baird's and corns the same. I have no issues. Yeah. But that also comes down to a species that's more forgiving. I would say that both of those animals are more forgiving, but if you had a rack and your rack is a a six drawer rack, you know, two, 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 right? And you've got one side is Baird's and one side's corns. And you kept the Baird side on sand and rock and some some soil. And then you kept the corns on uh, sand and soil and pine needles, right? That The right side with the corns, you could keep it more humid. It would retain the humidity better because of the different substrate that you put in there. And you could keep the Baird's drier because they are more arid species. Right. But the temp, but the temp of the, on the thermostat would still be eighty-one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a good way to do it is making sure that with, like I said, humidity and you said substrate, those two things together can really make, make the difference. Break. They yeah. make a break, right? Right. You know? But I, that, even with the with the cyania and the ganyasoma, I keep those identically in terms of like substrate, humidity, temperature, everything. But they're from the same spot, and though. They are from the same area, so that's yeah. kind of the caveat with those. But at the same time, like with my adult cyania, they're in that big habitat systems rack right now, and it doesn't have any heat because I tore all the heat out and I got to replace it still. I ordered some some okay. heat cord put in it, and they were out of stock, you know. And then they they emailed me and said we don't have it, so I got a refund. But um, I need to order that still. But okay, they're temperature right now, like ambient, whatever the room is, and they do fine and. I think they sort of fall into that same category of chondros of like, they're tougher than we kind of give them credit for. Like they can handle, they're not as delicate as, as originally thought. Uh, and one of the things, like if you watch Dan Maleri's videos on YouTube, he found a cyania a couple uh, months ago. He, had, he did a video and he found a cyania and like, I want to say it was in like the fifties or low sixties. Wow. Cyania was just cruising around in Thailand. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's I think another they're thing. More adapted to cooler temperatures than than we think. And and that's another thing too is that we are so I don't want to say programmed, but we get an idea in our head of what 
an ecosystem is supposed to look like per the locality. And oftentimes we're very, very wrong. Yeah. You know, you condors know? are a prime example of that. Everyone condors thinks condors are. come from like a, you know, South American equivalent of a rainforest where it's hot and humid and super thick. And it's actually, you know, reading about it and reading Rico Walder's um, experience going there. It's actually much more temperate than you would think. Like he said, it was actually very, it was, it was very cool under the, under the canopy and stuff in those forests. Like, yeah. wasn't a whole lot of sunlight getting through there but it was like the temperature wise it was it was much cooler than you would think right uh, and so you know the way you would keep an emerald compared to how you would keep a chondro was going to be different like emeralds need more humidity they need more heat because where they come from that is like that traditional thing but people think that they come from rainforests and when we think of rainforests we think of south america and like green inferno type of shit yeah and it's it's not like that in chondro country Right, you know, from and, what I've been told, I've never been there, so yeah. this is just then, what I've read. But they're trusted sources. It, it also goes to like just going. Speaking of chondros, you know, my good friend Chris is is redoing a bunch of chondro cages now, and he's been studying, he's been studying Indonesian topography for like three weeks now, trying to get you know foliage correct and temperatures and humidity. And I told him that I was like, yeah, man, it's more of an error. It's not. A, it's a more of a. Uh, a temperate environment it's not this hot muggy rainforest he says yeah it may be 78 but it's still 100 percent humidity because it is jungle still and like he starts showing me pictures and one of the pictures he showed me was actually one of natusha's he didn't even know who natusha was because he's he's a hobbyist he's not as, as mm -hmm. obsessed as we are but um but that's another thing is it was December in Florida, or February in Florida, and it was only 60 degrees, but it was so cold because of the humidity, because it was still 90%, yeah. 95% humidity, you know, and it's, it's midnight and the ground is wet and it looks like it rained and it hasn't rained for weeks. And that's just because it's the swamp, you know? So we think about going back to substrate and humidity too, is you can get a lot accomplished by just getting the substrate and humidity correct. You know, I'm talking with Henry about it now because I'm, I'm redoing the the, the the rack with the Proto in it. And I'm going to do a, a half-assed bioactive where, you know, I'm going to put some some uh, ceramic balls in the bottom and the netting and substrate and add some isopods and get it going because I need the humidity to be increased, but I also don't want them sitting in, a, in, a, in, in sludge, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm working on that myself now. And that goes. humidity can be kind of the tough one because it's 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 just you you're trying to keep things humid and there's a very big difference between humid and wet. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. You know, nobody wants scale rot. Nobody wants mm -hmm. water blisters. You know, I, I've seen so many ball pythons with water blisters because people thought people think they live in the jungle. It's like you said, yeah. ball pythons don't live in the same ecosystem as emerald tree boas. They live in a hole in the ground that's, you know, clay and rock and shale, stone. And yes, it gets rainfall. And yes, it has a good high humidity at times, but it's still Western Africa. It's not Central Africa. It's not the Congo, right. you know? Well, it's the difference between puff adders and rhinos. Yeah, it, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's the difference between puff adders and rhinos. Which I also think is crazy because I, I'm, someone's going to correct me, but I'm pretty sure the puff adders is the most widely distributed species on the planet because they find them in the most arid deserts in North Africa, north of the Sahara, 
and then they find them in the lush forest landscape, you know, in, in southern Congo. I would think it would be either them or Sawscales. One of the one of the Eka species has got to be close in contention with that. Well, I think it's it's one of those things where, like for example, eastern diamondbacks. Eastern diamondbacks have the most widely distributed ecosystem in North America because eastern diamondbacks, although they don't usually live in a swamp, they are found in swamps. So mm -hmm. the animals that grew up or matured or, or evolved to live in the swamp are not going to be the same that lived in the highlands or the palmetto scrubs. You know, those cypress bog eastern diamondbacks, they probably wouldn't do well in the palmetto head. They probably yeah, we were talking about well that not that long the, yeah, ago. With, with Derek, yeah. 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 Scott says Hydrophorus Platurus. I'm st I stay away from everything that says Hydro. <laughs> <laughs> so. And Johnny said bigger water bowl or move your water bowl to the warmer side of the cage if you are running paper, if you have bedding, add a drainage layer to increase humidity and still keep a clean environment. Yeah. I. My only issue with moving the water bowl closer to the heat source is exacerbating the growth of bacteria in the bowl, which if you're cleaning it regularly, you know, disinfecting it and wiping it out and stuff like that, then I guess it's not that big of a deal, but I don't know. I keep my water bowls on the, on the coolant on pretty much everything just out of personal preference and using oversized water bowls for things like chondros and the, and the Boiga and, uh, you know, the Ganyasoma just to make sure that a, they can find it and B that it is upping that ambient humidity, um, definitely does help. And I think even having pothos like that, that tannin bar cage with the, yeah. you know, pilodendron and that, that pothos that's just exploding. I really do think like having just a potted plant in those cages really helps with the ambient humidity and stuff. And I also look at, I mean, it's an air purifier too. You know, it keeps that air from sure. getting too stagnant. So yeah, I think you can get a decent sized pothos from Walmart for like nine bucks. Like you could easily cut that thing in half or into quarters and split that up between four cages and it would do well. So yeah, that's something I've been trying to do more is add more, uh, more just pothos just simple stuff you know it's also something you know speaking of you know stagnant air and having good ventilation good airflow now we're talking about plants Jesus. Now, we're not, not talking about plants we're we not, talking about we're fish not. now we're talking about plants so going back to ventilation and good airflow um something I, yeah right um someone recently told me about they had gone into like a petco or a pet smart or one of the big box stores and somebody had brought in their exoterra that was obviously small enough that they could carry it and move it. And uh, they brought their animal in to play with it or look at it or something. But they noticed that the air vents that are in the front of the glass, right? Yeah. They have those thin black slots. Mm -hmm. They were so full of dust and crud that no air was going to get through that. They weren't. Oh, it's like a you belly know? button. Exactly. And all I could think of was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm usually pretty good, gross about it. I don't blow them out. I blow them in just because I don't want sand and shit going all over the floor and yeah. stuff. But you got to keep those air vents clear because the whole point of those vents is to let air come in through the screen top and then flow out the front. Right. Circulate. Right. And now you've just cut that off. So I think that also can affect humidity to a certain degree. And a, a lot of times, too, some of the cages, they even have vents that you can open and close, you know? Yeah. Um, 
but making sure that those vents are clear, making sure those vents are clean, they don't have rust in them if it's metal. Um, that also that, helps. That, does that lot. not drive you crazy when you see people like I know Nipper does this, where he puts like glass or something over the screen in an Exoterra? Why? Because in my experience, it just rusts immediately. And well, it dry, I, mean, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very like OCD about it. Like I, I have to just take that that entire top off and just put a just straight glass where that was. I just can't just cover it up like that. I, I especially okay. if you're dealing with something high humidity, that moisture gets trapped between the screen and that top, and it just rusts right through it. So I've never put straight glass on top, but I have some Zilla ones where and this is this is pretty brilliant. It's plastic that has little finger holes, so you can you know get your fingers in there and lift it up yeah. and it, it's fit to the size of the enclosure and it keeps the humidity in, but it doesn't make condensation that's going to sit on that aluminum screen and rust that aluminum screen. And I've noticed too, is Dustin saying that the newer ones don't rust. Everything rusts to a certain point, you know, stainless steel, it stains less. It still can rust. <laughs> so, <laughs> so False advertising. Yeah, it's being mindful. You know, for the longest time, I poured water through the screen, right? And yeah, you might get some rust, but I also was very conscientious of it where I would take a paper towel and I would dry it when I'm done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's say I was being lazy and I didn't want to open the cage or take the snake out. Again, we're talking about venomous stuff. And, you know, it can be a, ha a hassle to, to remove a water dish at times. And you're in a rush or you're lazy or whatever. And I would pour water through the top of the screen. And I also have or have had um, corrugated plastic uh, uh, light diffuser that gave a gap so that I physically could, if I, let's say I rested my hand on top of that enclosure, a viper or something could not bite up and the fangs could not break through that, that, that light yeah. diffuser. Right. So, and that was a safety protocol thing. So I would pour the water through that. That would then take the light diffuser off, dab it with paper towel to dry it off, put the light diffuser back on and call it a day. Um, but yeah, you'd have stuff rust, and if you had to replace it, you replaced it. But I, I wasn't too paranoid like you are. I just, I think I, I had it, that issue when I had the the lone rainbow bow I had back in like 2014. Uh, that was the issue I had because I was keeping that on the more humid side, and um, I don't know. I think it's airflow is a big thing too with a lot of species like subox. Subox do not do well if you do not give them good ventilation. Like it's very well documented that subox just they have to have a good amount of airflow. Um, yeah. There's what was the other species I was thinking of? I think a lot of those desert species, you know, especially need that airflow because stagnant air and and air that's too humid is it's just not going to jive with them because they're you know they're not built for that. Yeah. Yeah. But then I've had the rainbow bow and some other species where you keep them super humid and they never have a single issue. Right. Right. So I, it's, it's odd. I'm actually looking for a picture that I sent Billy. Billy just sent me pictures of the Nova Guineas hatching. So we'll put them up in a minute because I am super excited about that. Um, but I had pictures that I sent Billy. I'm wondering if I sent it to him or I sent it in the group chat of the uh, the humid hides that I made for the lesser sun to pythons. Mm -hmm. um, and it was super simple. It was basically just a medium-sized deli, you know, your standard medium reptile deli. And I cut a hole in the lid and I melted the edges of the hole with a lighter so it was smooth and not jagged. And then I, I soaked a good amount of 
super, super wet sphagnum moss. I basically put a handful of sphagnum moss in there and I would fill the jelly cup three quarters of the way with water, with, with scalding hot water. So it's fresh hot water. Let that moss soak up all that, you know, moisture. And then I would squish it with my hand and drain out all the excess. So the moss retained that high, hot humidity, but there wasn't any standing water. Um, mm -hmm. And then I would just put the lid back on. And man, just the the difference it does for a snake is just phenomenal. I I, and, I uh, put in a humid hide with the female Jance and I yesterday. <clears throat> I just took like cool. a six quart tub, like one of the taller, hefty ones that are deeper but not like longer. And I took that Dremel Sawmax that I used to put on the Python portals from Brahms. Yeah. Which those I cannot recommend those things enough. That's like the best hundred dollars you'll ever spend on a on a power tool. Um, yeah. And just cut up like a three inch square on the lid and right. just pack that sucker full of spag. She hasn't gone in there yet, but it's there for her if she wants to. Nice. Nice. But yeah, the, um, that, that, and that human hide just goes back to what we're talking about of, I have animals that are high humidity next to animals that are extreme desert. And I have to make it more accommodating for the human animal because the, the rack or the, the shelf or whatever it is, is, is making that difference. So there's a lot of tricks and tips to, uh, oh, congratulations, Dustin. I'll say, I thought you'd find that awesome. I find it very awesome. much. So I That's had to Google awesome. it cause I'm not familiar with those. <laughs> Super cool. But, uh, let me try and get these pictures from Billy. And, um, oh, and by the way, uh, Dustin, which velvets are they? Just out of curiosity, um, what the hell did I do with this thing? That's there one of the reasons I've liked this egg box setups that I've been using the last cyania clutch and now that corn clutch is it keeps things very humid, but the eggs themselves are like dry. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. Which is ideal. Monilis. Um, and with those velvets, Dustin, uh, have you noticed them going in the Ooh. going in those uh, um, humid hides on a certain part of the day or are they just living in there because that's something i've always been curious with because uh, like for a while uh, a friend of mine had Wahlbergs for a while and um and he made humid hides and they just lived in it and he couldn't tell if it was they like that cave they like that hide or if it was because they needed the extra humidity so very curious about that i have a group of turkish geckos again I heard, and you're going to feed the Pangea. It's going to be glorious. I, yeah, you know, it's funny. I put my wise camera in front of the tank and put a little cup full of Pangea because as soon as you turn on the lights or walk in, they disappear. They scatter like roaches. And so I, <laughs> I put it on night vision so I could watch them and check on them and see if they ate any at night. I didn't I didn't see them do it, though. So yeah, it was worth a shot. I'll keep it in there, I guess. And if they want to eat it, they can eat it. I'll have to get my hands on some small bugs. There they are. Yeah. There they are. So I need Billy to get the meal in these things and get them shedding so that I can go over and cherry pick, right? <laughs> cherry pick. So. Look, here's Scott, the bearer of bad news. Yeah. <laughs> Manolo's got, got split in force. Species. Yeah. Nice, nice. Bet you well, it was your are, boy hoser, wasn't it? They're, they're, those geckos are so dynamic, too. Like, it doesn't, it makes sense that they would do that, you know? But, uh, 
but yeah, look at that. And then there's one more. I will, whoops, that's not it. Look at that. There it is. Love it. And even as a even as a hatchling, you can see that longer face, more mm -hmm. narrow head. Ugh, friggin' adorable. Super cute. Love it. Can't wait. Nova. Nova Guinea. <laughs> I texted Billy and I said, I'm going to throw those up. He goes, I figured you would. <laughs> so. He better be watching. I know he's home. He is because yeah. he's stuck at home. He's got, he's got, he got the Rona. The Rona. He's probably bored out of his mind. No, his cages are probably friggin' spotless. He's probably annoyed that he has the Rona because now he can't show anyone how clean his cages are. <laughs> I tried to clean. I mean, Billy's not symptomatic, like majorly symptomatic like I was. I, I tried to clean cages. I'm sure some of y'all saw that because it's on this channel. I live streamed yeah. it for some reason and kept it. And I was like struggling, dude. And just either before or after that, Alan Stevens called me because we were talking about some some monitor stuff. And I was like hacking up a lung just talking to him on the phone. He's like, dude, you need to go. I was like, no, no, I'm good. He's like, I'm so, I'm so lonely. Hey, we got to get him back on for uh, talk about that new facility. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. I'm watching the. Uh, yeah. Now, did Bert get his from him or no? Uh, no, he got his okay. from, from Brett. I don't remember. No, I don't think so. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure Jeff's ready to be back, man. Yeah. In the wilds of New Mexico. Let's hope I don't screw up this next Baird's clutch. I think you're fine. I feel like a pretty big dummy for screwing up the first one. They're supposed to be the simplest of rat snakes to be able to reproduce. Famous last words. Famous last words. So I got two of those by Maculata and lost one of them. The smaller one that I kind of figured was going to be either a struggle to get going or that I was just going to lose it entirely and I did. Um, but it got preserved and it is with Dr. Messenger now. Very cool. I saw you uh, had your your day of uh, fun, your play date. Yep. Yep. He came by cool. did his did his thing. I'm I don't I'm not at liberty to discuss what exactly it was he was doing, but I don't okay. think I'm not gonna just because I'm not sure. But Okay. Yeah, you gotta check out the the other one's doing great. Like the other one, dude, watching that thing eat, I need to take a video of it next time and send it to you. Like that thing is a beast with food. I don't think I've ever seen a snake <laughs> that I've kept be as intense about eating as that little thing is, man. Nice. So I need to I need to talk to Matt figure out what he's what what's going on with his because i will eventually would like a male yeah so. uh, you, you you popped it no both look female that tail length was okay. pretty pretty blatant so. okay all right cool i probably should just to make sure but 
I'm weird about popping and sexing small snakes, man. Like yeah. Chris over in Europe told me with the cyan, he's like, yeah, if they have their first shit, I pop them. I'm like, dude, how do you pop those things and not just snap them in half? Like, well, they're so I, tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I've seen some horror stuff too, man. I've seen some people like, like go to do the speed bump trick with a boa. You know what I'm talking about? Where you squeeze and yeah. you, you pull and it, you can feel the speed bump of the Emmy peens. And I watched someone pull too hard and they deglove the tail and it's oh, horrible. I'm not about it. <clears throat> like the, the, the baby wrinkles, I, we just, I put them in a clear deli cup, you know, and held it above my head to kind of look at the, at the vent and look at the tail and everything. Cause it's, it's pretty easy to tell on a rink when they're of size, but those babies, it's still hard. So yeah, I assumed, I assumed I had a pair. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I was in the room the other day with my, uh, my new lady friend and she was saying, she's like, what if that's not a boy? What if it's a girl? And I was like, well, that would be fantastic, <laughs> you know? But mm -hmm. so now every time I look at the baby, I'm like, is that a boy? Is it a girl? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? You know, and part of that's the fun. You know what I mean? It's like, I've never had children, but I imagine that it is uh, a real thought provoking thing of whether or not you want to know the sex of the baby, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I understand why those people say, I don't want to know until it comes out. And I kind of feel the same way, like with this baby. I'm like, I don't know what it is. You know, it's I don't have any, I don't have any other babies on hand to reference. You know, that male Jansen I shed, and I wish I had taken a picture because those plugs are huge. Really? It's like, good God. Oh, it did the did the Nauda throw plugs at all or no? Are we still on that he's a boy? I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he is. Okay, I couldn't remember. But, I think so. I'm trying. I can't keep up anymore. Yeah, right. He's uh, a beast too. He is. I had to. <laughs> I had to clean his cage the other day, and it straight up took me anywhere between ten and fifteen minutes to get him out. And then it took me another five or so to get him out of the Cambro rack because I put him in there while I cleaned because I had to take everything out and put it all back until I get some cypress mulch in there or something. And Look, do you not have a snake hook? I do, but dude, he like I have nothing but like the shorter ones. I don't have any like full size ones. And uh which I is fine. You just put on life gear. I haven't gotten them yet. Oh okay. okay. Still waiting on uh, the, the Clarkson ones were pre orders so and they're all gonna ship together, I assume. Okay. So okay. I haven't gotten those yet. But um, yeah, he just like they they they're stupid strong for being so thin. He like angers himself onto something, and then he just sits there ready to go. Yeah, yeah, that'll happen. But I was like, I was breaking a sweat just trying to freaking get him in and out, man. He'd you gotta, you gotta just start hooking the front. And then just start tickling I the back. I was. It's not that simple. Just tickle the back. I was. I was using two hooks. You tap his tail. He doesn't even care. He's like, whatever. <laughs> Which is weird because the cyania, you touch their tail, they hate it. The Jansen, you touch their tail, they don't care. They don't do anything. It doesn't make them move any faster. It doesn't make them go anywhere. They're like, whatever. It's almost like they have no feeling. That scrub, if he's on the run and he touches his tail, he freaks out. If he's planted on something, he does not care. 
Oh. <laughs> we'll train you. Damn scrubs. We have plenty of time before Daytona for me to teach you how to handle a arboreal snake. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, I'll bring multiple tools. and uh, Like the chondros and stuff, it's easy because you tap their tail. That's like their lifeline. Like they don't, they don't like anything touching that. So you want dude, them to go somewhere, you tap them, but. Dude, we gotta. We're gonna teach you how to double hook, and get you double hooking stuff in no time. It's it's hard to double hook when it's an arboreal boyd. That's also like no, five. It's, not, it's 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 easy. You get them to you get them to grab onto one hook, then you tease and tickle and direct with the other hook, and then all of a sudden you got a snake popsicle. You know? Well, if I had had the venomous etiquette videos on YouTube to teach me how to do these things. I would have probably been able to handle it, but because I don't know when we're ever going to get another episode because we're too busy worrying about the intro. Burn. I just have to, I guess, learn from Craigslist or something. Oh my God. There's some guys on YouTube you can learn from. I was double hooking and it was pointless. He didn't like, I know it's like it's literally the, like, the snake made like of Velcro, Velcro. man. Yeah. yeah, took the words out I of my thought, mouth. I thought Amazon's were bad. <laughs> Amazon's don't hold a candle to scrubs, man. At least this one. Yeah, because I feel like Amazon's they do that falling thing too. Like they'll just be like, huh, 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 huh and just fall over. <laughs> scrubs don't do that. Scrubs have their own gimbal. <laughs> yeah. Scrubs literally gravity, have their, gravity does have not their, work on those things. They're, yeah. It's because I was inverted. That's the problem. Is you're not. He was so calm. <laughs> so chill. Here's a picture not, of him crawling over my head. You're not playing the Top Gun soundtrack while taking the scrub out. That's why. Exactly. If I took him out and tried to put him on my head, he'd probably take out one of my eyeballs. Dude, I I really would love. I honestly, I'm I'm really tempted to when I come up to see you in uh in August. I kind of want to take that snake out and see if it's all just cage defense. And like, if you really put hands on that animal, if it would really be like, oh, you got me. All right. Mm. From my experience so far, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> you have him out, and he's pretty much pissed the whole time. Just got to give him a reason not to be. I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> you got to think happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Oh, that's all. It's like fairy dust. With teeth. Oh. So one other thing to cover was the yes. mystery cigars. So Drew Estate has, has this thing they're doing where um, they only made like 2,600 of these. these they're called freestyle packs. And so it's got a small travel case, like a five count travel humidor, a cutter, a lighter, and then you get three unbanded cigars of a new blend that they're going to be releasing, I guess, next month. You have no idea what it is. Um, So I smoked one earlier uh, because they sent some, I guess, for the the retailers employees to try without having to get all the other stuff, which is fine. uh, Because I need another case and cutter and lighter like I need a hole in the head. Right, Uh, right. I tried it and it's, it's interesting. I think to me, I think it's a Connecticut broadleaf Maduro flavor wise. It seems very number nine ish. 
maybe like somewhere in between like the underground Maduro and the number nine. Like if there was okay. an in between between those two, yeah. I think that's where that one would fall. Um, they're not releasing like any information about it yet. So I guess they're getting these things out there, letting everybody smoke them. And then I guess they'll be revealing what it is. Um, it's not bad. It's not great, but it's a, it's a good, it's a decent cigar. Like I said, I think it's a, a Connecticut broadleaf just based on the flavor and just reminds me of a number nine. So they only made okay. like 2,600 of these things. We, we got put on the list of people that have them. So we've had people calling from all over the country the last couple of days, trying to get their hands on some. And, uh, they're giving away like a freaking dirt bike and some other stuff in the rack. How many, uh, how many did they allocate per store? I don't even know how we how many we ended up to begin with. I want to say it was probably only ten or fifteen, I think. No, that's but that's all for your company or for each store. I don't know what other stores got. I'd imagine some stores got more and some got less, just given you know it's yeah, gonna be don't, more sales. Yeah, don't, don't you guys have two or three stores? We have two. Okay, so yeah, so you got fifteen and fifteen. Or 15 for both no, stores? No, I think it was 15 for both stores. I okay. think. I don't know for sure. I just know the one box that I was pulling stuff out of had like maybe 10 in there. So there what's may it, have been another it? one. It's called the Drew Estate Mystery Box? The Freestyle. Freestyle, okay. Yeah. And uh, do you have an MSRP or no? Uh, it was forty seven ninety nine. so you get all that stuff Okay. with the for, raffle for 50 ticket. Bucks. It's not a bad deal. All right, I'm gonna call my place tomorrow and find out if they have it. Yeah, if you go, if you go on the Drew Estate website, um, it'll show you what stores have it, like what stores have it. And we're literally one of three stores in South Carolina that got it, so I don't know what it's gonna be like down there. I'm looking right now. Let's see, Tampa, yeah. Daytona, Orlando. Um, Here, share the screen. Share your screen. Yeah. All right. Um, Johnny, you totally need to be a Daytona man. You can hang out with us. Yeah, you do, man. We'll hang out. Uh, where would it be? Summer takedown. Okay. I don't. I don't know. Events. Where are you? Events. Events. These are actual events. This is not like yeah. There's they gotta have it on that list though because it's they're gonna do like a digital release thing when they do the drawing. Virtual sales, virtual sales. Mm. It must be that summer takeover thing though. No. Yeah, it's on the summer takeover page. I'm going, I'm going. I think. You're the rat. Gross. There it is. I'm sorry, you're the, the rat is not a good cigar. Freestyle live. Everyone wanted it, and I don't know why. It was $20 I'll never get back. I don't know. I was just on the page. Or if you go to the go to the search thing and look up freestyle. Where is the search thing? The, the header menu. 
Freestyle Live 2021. Apparently it's an ultra premium cigar, which makes me wonder if it's something Liga related. And like I said, the wrapper looked pretty high quality. Like it looked like it was on the on the level of Liga stuff. Uh, I just don't know exactly what's going on with it. So it's May 6th is the actual live. That's when they're, yeah, they're doing the, the thing. Okay. But the stores will have it before then. Yeah, yeah. All the stores should have it now. All right. Participating retailers. I'm going to go slow so people can actually see this. Florida's it's, like halfway down. People can pause it if they want. I agree, Scott. He said he wants to go to Daytona. Someone talk to organizers and say we need more international guests. Yeah. Do a whole 100%. talk on Night Tigers. Yeah, right? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> smoking Boynton. Nice. Smoking Margie. That's good. That's by me. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Well, that sucks. My shop isn't on there. Damn. Oh, well. It looks like I'm going to the smoke in. Buford Tobacco, though. Yeah. We were literally one of three stores in South Carolina that got them. Wait, where does Buford Tobacco? I missed it. Scroll. It's past Florida. Scroll down. They're not in alphabetical order for some reason. Oh, okay. Those psychopaths. There it is. On the right. Up. Up. There it is. Up. Boom. Zing. You know. Nice. 1100 Carteret Street, son. That's where I get all my packages delivered. Because I know someone's always always going to be there, and I don't have to worry about my crackhead neighbors stealing shit. Nice, nice. Got to the point where I, I, got, I get snakes and stuff sent there, and Roger's like, dude, don't be pulling them out and taking pictures during hours. So I was like, I got to make sure they're okay. Because he could see the carpet and stuff. He's like, the carpet, like the floor, and he's like, man, why are you taking snakes out of the shop? Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I always like it. Like if I'm doing a, a trade or something with friends, I'll bring. I have a, I have a wooden hot box that's a travel box, and uh, it has a aluminum handle on top. And I spray painted the whole thing black, and then I made, I cut out the old Cobra Commander logo from GI Joe and spray painted that red on the side, and it says in red. You know, stencil letters that says "Danger Venomous Reptiles" because that's the Florida law. It has to say "Danger Venomous Reptiles," and there's a big old padlock on the front. And uh, my coworkers, they'll see it in the box in the back of the office. They'll be like, "What's that?" I'll be like, "I don't know, but don't touch it." They're like, no, really, man, what's in there? I was like, "Nothing, it's empty." And all of a sudden, I usually don't even tell people. I got some regulars that actually care, and I'll be like, "Yeah, man, I got something new today," and they'll be like, "Oh, let me see it." But for the most part, it just stays in the back room and. Till I go home. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't bring you know venomous snakes to work. It's an empty box for me to go do my business after hours, you know. But still, it's always funny seeing people's reaction, you know. Uh, Mike asked, "Are there any non-Repticon shows besides Daytona in the Florida SCNC area this year? Um, are they still doing that South of the Border show?" Uh, I don't believe so. No. 
not not right. And I think there was there was a new one happening up near Myrtle. I thought I saw some for it recently. Yeah, I'm starting to notice there's a lot of like privately held uh, shows now starting to pop up, which is cool. I mean, it's it's nice to see that people are taking the initiative to do that. Um, Yeah, they're they're trying to think outside the box. I like it. Do uh, does FWC require you guys to have like a label in, in Spanish as well? No. Or does it just have to say English, like, you know, venomous reptiles? No, it has to say, by law, it must say danger. It must say danger, venomous reptile or reptiles, if it's plural, if there's more than one. And then the container must be, it must be a container inside a container. And the container itself the, the that is containing the animal must have the English name and common name and the scientific name and the quantity value within. So obviously it has to be locked. Obviously, uh, you know, it can't be, uh, you can't be able to stick like a finger in there or anything. It has to be very, very tiny air holes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times for shipping stuff out, uh, we'll do, um, we'll go to Home Depot and, you know, Scott's saying they use converted drink coolers and that's a brilliant idea. Um, good insulation, you know. Uh, a lot yeah. of times what we'll do is we'll get uh, uh, tool tackle boxes or toolboxes from Home Depot that are mm-hmm. real, real thick. You know, it's, it's hard plastic, but you can't you can't bend it or bow it. It's very rigid. Yeah. Um, we'll drill, you know, four or five air holes, and then you can zip tie it or put padlocks on it, and we'll delta dash venomous like that. So it actually saves a lot of money on the weight of the freight because it's not a wooden crate. And that rhymed, and I didn't even try to do it that way. Nice. Yeah. The new Slim Shady. Right? <sighs> We're at the two-hour mark, my friend. We are. We are. I think it's a good ending point. I think we yes, got sir. all the, the main points we wanted to people requested we cover you know we yeah. could talk about isopods but yeah that's not happening the short and and sweet of of my thought is i'm amazed that they've become what they have because to me they will never be anything other than cleaner crew look i think they're super area. cool i think they're super cool i can see how a small kid who's getting into bugs or getting into herps would find them very interesting i think it's I get a the great, appeal it's a gateway pet I think I think it's a fantastic gateway pet. You know, if if a child can take the time and the responsibility to throw in some lettuce and throw in some fish food, fish you know, food. spray spray some water in their form, I think that's great. Um, and hopefully later on they can you know upgrade to a ball python or a leopard gecko or something. I think that's great. Um, but for me, it's they're just cleaner bugs. So especially the like the rubber duckies that are insanely expensive yeah it's crazy so again they look like a little rubber ducky but oh my god so i put i mixed in powder blues and powder oranges because let's face it they're the same thing and henry says to me hey man if you're lucky you'll get piebalds and i was like okay whatever and i went in there there's freaking piebalds in there now (laughs) (laughs) so i thought that was super cool it's seeing them at shows. It's just nuts, dude. Like you see all the different varieties now that you can get in different species. They inhabit different yeah. like niches and like yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just I never would have guessed in a thousand years. 
isopods would be such a thing now and that people would be so into them and that there's like full on books, like giant books written about them, you know, like the books yeah. that you and I would buy about like rat snakes and stuff. Like there's isopod books. It's like, right. Lord. Well, and Henry says, you know, the tricolors are even more expensive, but it's like the dairy cows, the rubber duckies, whatever it is. It's, it's amazing to think that all of us, every single person who's watching and or listening to this, grew up catching quote-unquote roly-polies as a kid not even knowing what an isopod was and here we are you know 10 20 30 60 years later we're keeping them on purpose localities Um, yeah right head scaleless Uh, yeah head scaleless jesus all right on that note thank you for watching everyone thank you for listening Remember, this is brought to you by the fine folks at Puget Sound by Thongs. I'm finally getting the pointing direction thing right. Yeah, I never will. So it's the opposite. It's it's mirrored. It's mirrored. So I gotta go like that. Oh, I gotta go like that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Our small brains have figured that. it out. You know, it just occurred to me that the wall is on the opposite side of the screen. <laughs> Oh, it's late at night. Yeah, because when I move the camera, I almost always move it the wrong direction, and it ends up showing you my actual garage, and people might realize that this is not actually a wooden wall. Well, I like it when, like, Katie opens the garage door, and, like, the wooden wall, like, moves. Moves, yeah. (laughs) From the pressure of the room. (laughs) There is, in fact, a wooden wall behind it in the form of hurricane panels for the windows and stuff. Nice, nice. It's good. Nothing but the best production value here from my Spend, No expense. That's right. All right, All right y'all. We'll see you soon. We will. Thanks for hanging out. Good night. See you later. <laughs>